Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Thursday, August 2nd, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 90, beginning with the second paragraph, if there's any indication, reading through two paragraphs, ending in if he cares to see you, and comments will be taken on both paragraphs. Today's reader readers are, for the 12th step, Carrie M., the 12 traditions, Allison E., um, the big book readers, Rita K., Marcella M., our newcomer greeter is Lynn S., and the host of the second hour is Deanna B. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, August the 1st, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 11,732. That's 11732. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, the reference number is 11,733. That's 11733. Could everyone be sure that you're um, muted by pressing star one? OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Carrie M. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, my name is Carrie M. I'm a compulsive overeater in Boston. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Carrie M. 
And I'll now ask Allison E. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning. This is Allison E. from New York, a compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OE unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group but never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous shall remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do in service. I pass. Thank you, Allison E. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 90, the second paragraph, beginning if there's any indication, through two paragraphs ending if he cares to see you, and comments will be on both paragraphs. And I'll now ask Rita Kay to please begin reading. Good morning. My name is Rita Kay, and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Kansas. If there is any indication that he wants to stop, have a good talk with the person most interested in him, usually his wife. Get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition, and his religious leanings. 
You need this information to put yourself in his place, to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. Sometimes it is wise to wait till he goes on a binge. The family may object to this, but unless he is in a dangerous physical condition, it is, it is better to risk it. Don't deal with him when he is very drunk unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of the spree or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or friend ask him if he wants you to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You should be described to him as one of a fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, try to help others <clears throat> and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. <clears throat> um, you know, I'll be honest and say that when I read ahead, on this yesterday, I thought, oh, I hope I'm not the first reader, <laughs> because I thought, okay, that is, this is an experience that I've never had, and I don't know how many uh, in our rooms have the experience of of dealing with the family. I don't know if there's a sponsee or a person or a newcomer, anyone that I have met in the Overeaters Anonymous rooms that I have really met their family. I know that my family was not involved. <laughs> You know, as far as in meeting whoever my sponsor was, uh, the only time that my family really had contact with my sponsor was last year when I had surgery. And um, and she asked, is it okay if your son <laughs> sends me a text and lets me know you're okay? I said, sure. And so so our experience as, within our rooms, within compulsive, as compulsive readers, <clears throat> a lot of times are a little bit different, you know, than what we're reading here. And so, but but what, what I'll tell you what I do see. What I do see is um, when it says um, about asking the person if they want to quit, asking them if they're ready, you know, if they're ready to change. Because we do get people all the time as we go through our physical recovery, we get people all the time at work and, you know, in your places of, business or, you know, your place of worship, who come up to you and go, wow, what are you doing? You know, you have lost a lot of weight. And people try not to be rude, but I I just say, yeah, I have lost a lot of weight and I'm still, you know, working on it. And so for the people who ask, what are you doing? You really have to kind of, what I do is, is, is try to uh, I'm not trying to judge, but I try to, you know, listen to what they're saying to see, like like they say, are they serious now? And that's what this says. You know, you should um, ask him, if you ask him or her in our case, a lot of times in our case, not all the time, as we know, there are, are men around, but there are, but, you know, I only work with women. So I ask her if she wants to quit for good or if this is a change that you're serious about. So if someone is coming to me and asking me questions, that's when I can go into the details of what I do <clears throat> and not just about my food. I, I, I always get to the seriousness of it, to what I do with the steps. Because the thing about it is that everybody who comes up to, up to us, everybody has information about food. 
Everybody knows what to do about food because they've done it. They've tried this, that, this, and the other. They've cut back. They've gone to this doctor. They've spent money. But when a person is serious about wanting to change and really wanting to know what is it that you do, that's when I share with them about the program of recovery. And I tell them about away, and I tell them about meeting. So we have to really listen. Thank you. We have to really listen, and and I pray a lot about that. You know, what is it that I tell people, and and what is it that people really want to do, and I just trust God with it, and with that I pass. Thank you, Rita Kay. And now the lines will be opened um, for those who would like to share on what was read. Lisa, we lost you there for a second. Lisa B. Oh, can you? Oh, thank you. Can oh, you still hear me? Amanda B. I can now. Amy okay. G. From um, Maryland. Amanda B. Amy G. I have Lisa, Amanda, and Amy. Anybody else? Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Thank you. I can take three more. All right. We'll go with Lisa B., Amanda B., and Amy G. Lisa B., please get us started. Good morning, Lisa H. Thank you for your service. Um, my name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And, you know, the line that says, uh, if he's, ask him if he's willing to quit for good and if he wants to go to any extreme to do so. So my role in, in sharing, uh, in trying to carry the message is to disturb this protege, this prospect. You know, they haven't become a protege yet. They're a prospect. And I always look at it like prospecting for gold and diamonds because to me, working with others is really and truly like working with gold and diamonds. It's such an enriching, enriching experience. I love it. And it's what I'm supposed to do, I know, but it is a joy and a privilege. And sometimes it's frustrating. Yes, but that's usually when my self-will and my ego gets in there. Um, you know, and that I'm supposed to be carrying them through, my role is to disturb them. And one of the ways that I disturb them, try to disturb them, is by sharing my experience. And that was this frightening, frightening awakening that I had is that, oh, my gosh, I can actually live and to be 100 years old and never recover from this illness, that I won't necessarily lose my job, get into bankruptcy, get a divorce, I could just keep living in this miry, disgusting, self-pity hole. It's like that, that middle-of-the-road solution, that hallway of just crap, you know, where I'm, I'm effective enough in my life that I'm getting by, but I'm dead inside, dead and dying, you know, and just that slow spiritual death of, and I love the saying of tombstones in my eyes. And I had that awakening when I started listening to this phone meeting and realizing, oh my gosh, I've been living in this hallway of that middle-of-the-road solution, never getting recovered, and just living like that. And it could keep going on and on and on. And that's how I uh, share my disturbance, you know, and I pass that on. And sometimes I hear that, you know, sometimes I don't. But I know I get so much out of working with others. It's such a gift and a joy. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. And Amanda B., you're up, followed by Amy G. Hi, this is Amanda B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I love this. If there is any indication that he wants to stop, 
Um, so, you know, Bill leaves this pretty open. It says, get an idea about um, his behavior, his problem, his background. This is not about me. It's about me explaining my experience, strength, and hope while thinking of others. I'm already thinking of others here, even in explaining this. How do I explain my experience, strength, and hope to this other person? And, and he says, the goal is if the table, how to see how you would like to approach him if the tables were turned. Again, thinking of others. The next paragraph about, he says, wait for a spree, wait for some binge. And this is really, for as me as a compulsive reader, I need desperation. Like people say, what is it going to take? And I think to myself, geez, pain is the best motivator for me. I'm a stubborn person. I'm a headstrong person. So when I get into major pain, I know I'm beat. I know I have to take step one. And in this next paragraph, it doesn't say, I mean, I spent so many years in the beginning of the program trying to push my solution on people. And it's not my solution and I can't push it on people. It says there's so many ifs here. If he cares to see you, if he wants to get well. Um, and then if he does, like this is letting him or her con concede for their innermost self if they're a food addict, if they're an alcoholic. It says ask him if he wants to quit for good, not the family, not anybody else. We ask the, the compulsive overeater. And then if they say yes, we get to use our special unicorn power, our magic superpower of sitting across from another alcoholic, one one compulsive overeater to another. It says you should describe to, be described to him as one of a fellowship who tries to help others. And this is just where I get to help somebody else because of my own experience, strength, and hope that the family doesn't have. And for that, I'm eternally grateful, and that's what saves my life. Um, that's why this program is so special. So thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Amanda B. And Amy G., you're up. Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Um, thank you all so much for your service. I'm going to focus on um, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You know, there's that word again, not recovering, recovered. We who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless um, state of mind and body. And as, you know, we're in this chapter working with others. So as a sponsor, if I am going to be um, in my best position of, of helping another person and, and carrying this message of depth and weight that saves lives, I have to be in a recovered state, which means recovered as in working, having worked the 12 steps and in a position where I'm working steps 10 through 12. It talks about it, and on page 164 in the Vision for You, we read it all the time. If, if we can't give away something, I can't give something away that I don't have. So for me, I have to be in a position as a sponsor who has worked the steps. And as a newcomer, asking someone who is recovered, you know, here someone is being presented as recovered. Well, we're on the line all the time, and I get calls for people to sponsor or reference, you know, or for referrals for people. And the, I think what's really important is that I should not be sponsoring unless I have worked the steps because how can I carry something that I don't have? And I just really wanted to focus in on that because I think it's important to state that word in there that says recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Amy G. If you've just joined us, we are on page 90 in Working With Others. 
We are on the second paragraph, reading through two paragraphs, beginning if there's any indication and ending if he cares to see you. And who would like to share on those paragraphs? Nancy G. D. Nancy. Melissa C. Melissa. Julie R. Julie R. Cheryl A. Cheryl A. Y'all are being so kind. A couple more. Anybody else? Marcella. Marcella. Okay. Well, this is what I have, and you'll have to correct me if I got your the first initial of your last name incorrect. Nancy B., Melissa C., Julie R., Cheryl A., and Marcella M. Nancy, you're up. Thank you. Can, can you hear me okay? I can. All right, great. This is Nancy Z. Um, actually, I'm from uh, Indiana. This is the first time I've shared on the line. I've probably been listening to the vision meetings for a couple months. And I just want to share um, on this section that I was in um, OA uh, for about 20 years, uh, about 10 years, 15 years ago, and uh, very involved, never really found abstinence or recovery, Um, had lots and lots of uh, slips, relapses, um, and failures. Um, So I left and sought many other paths, many other things. Short story, I, um, on June 2nd, I had a talk with a friend of mine who I knew, had known for years and years, and she was um, working with a sponsor. I had been listening to the vision meetings on and off uh, because I had heard about them through her and still not finding much recovery. And she told me what she was doing with her sponsor, and I went, oh, my gosh, that's a lot. I don't think I can do that, and I don't know that I could, you know, not have this, and I don't know that I could not have that, and um, and I was just not willing. I was just not willing to give up what I needed to give up and to do what I needed to do. Um, on June 13th, I that's which is my abstinence date, um, I gave up. <laughs> I just let it all go because at that point in my life, I had had enough relapse. I had had enough, and I said. I am willing to do whatever it takes, um, and uh, and I and I started working with a sponsor. We're going through the big book, and I'm calling into the vision meetings, and I have what I have never had before, um, which is a gift. And I get on my knees every morning, and I thank God for it. And how this correlates to the reading is that um, I had to be willing. I had all the head knowledge, I had everything, but I had to be willing to go to any length. To I I had had enough. And um, my sponsor is wonderful. I absolutely love her. And she really walked through a lot of those failures with me um, as I was coming to this decision. And I liked what I, sorry, I don't remember the name, but I liked what uh, someone, the previous person said about, I have to live it if I want to give it away. Because I want to give it away, um, but I didn't have anything to give away. I didn't have anything to show my experience um, to others. Uh, except a lot of failure, which I know I can share as my path, but um, I'm just, it, it's so grateful today, and I don't have that impending dude doom hanging over my head today that, you know, when is it going to, when am I going to lose it? You know, I just don't have that today, and I had that um, 
for years and years and years. Just grateful to be here and grateful for all of you. Uh, thank you for calling in every morning and giving me your experience, strength, and hope. I pass. Thank you, Nancy. And Melissa C., you're up, followed by Julie R. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, what I really got here is exactly when um, to make the approach with someone. You know, like in the doctor's opinion where um, we're taught about the um, addiction cycle, you know, and so there's a period when we um, pass through the well-known stages of a spree and we emerge remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. That's when I make the approach to somebody. Like when the disease just like kicked you in the gut, you know, that's when someone is perhaps open and ready to hear the message. Because I think timing is everything. So, you know, um, when, when someone is in a state of desperation, when I was in a state of desperation, um, that's when you're open to hearing the message. So, you know, like I don't make an approach to someone when they're successfully dieting. Like there's nothing I have to say to them when they feel um, like they've got this, when they feel like they've got some power over this, or when they're happily binging. Like if someone is thrilled with eating, there's nothing I could say to them about it. Like what am I going to say? You're you're gaining weight? Like who cares at that point? Um you know, but when someone says um, um, that they're done, you know, so, oh, so here's another thing. Like when I've gotten calls from people and they say, um, well, my abstinence is a little sloppy or, you know, I just, I've been told from people, like I just would really like to lose, you know, maybe 10 more pounds or lose some weight for a wedding. Um, then I know there's really nothing that I can say to them either, you know, because they're not done and they're not ready. Um, so it sounds terrible, but I love when someone sounds desperate. You know, when when they call or when I I see someone and they're like, just tell me what to do. I, I'll do it. And that's how I was. You know, when I reached that point that I was all out of ideas, when I was willing to do anything to quit for good, I mean, and that's the key. Like, in my early conversations with people, um, you know, yeah, we say one day at a time, but um, that's sort of, you know, how to how to live life. Um, abstinence, you know, and, and it's, it's death to the food. Like, you've got to be willing to hear that everything on your list of binge foods and binge behaviors needs to go 100%, not a little bit, not I'm going to let go of things, you know, um, until I'm comfortable. It's let go absolutely. Um, and, and I don't waste my time with someone, you know, unless they're really willing to do that. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Julie R., you're up, followed by Cheryl A. Hi, thank you. This is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. You know, I have a few things underlined on these two paragraphs. You know, it talks about getting an idea of his behaviors, his problems, the seriousness of his condition. You know, basically, are you the real compulsive overeater or are you a hard eater? You know, how helpful uh, am I going to be? And, you know, it's kind of like what we do when we work with a newcomer that first visit. I don't just whip open the book 
and start reading the doctor's opinion with them or the forewords. I have a conversation. I find out about what is that their unmanageability in their life. You know, I have them kind of give me a verbal history of what living in a horrific disease as we have has done to them. And then after that first conversation, I get an idea. Okay, are they desperate? Are they are they ready to surrender? And and then we can continue and, and go forward. You know, when I when I was first in OA in eighty one, I met my husband in eighty six, my future husband, I guess you would say, and he had no clue about addiction. I mean, he lived in this fantasy world, you know. And um he went to three or four OA meetings with me because he wanted to understand the disease. And he actually cried when we not boohoo cried, but tears. He said he would never look at an overweight woman or man again the way that he did. And, you know, when I was in that horrific relapse four years ago, my husband and my two boys had a family meeting, how to get mom back in her how program and to get back into meetings because they saw that I was dying and they called, my husband called my sponsor that I had. And it was like, what a miracle because we, the family, the family is so hurt with our, our addiction. And, you know, so I get to do that with other people. I have had family members call me that they've heard that I'm in OA through somebody else and they've asked me to help their wives. And, you know, so yeah, we, you know, our, what is our main purpose? To be of maximum service to others. And we can be that everywhere, anywhere. So, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Julie R. And Cheryl A., you're up, followed by Marcella M. Hi, this is Cheryl A., recovered compulsive overeater in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, you know, in reading these paragraphs and, and this chapter in general, there is so much detail about how to deal with every particular kind of scenario and situation and if he's like this do that and if he's not like this do this and wait until this kind of a situation until um don't don't talk to your um to this person if they're wildly drunk and then it just goes on and on about the family and about the person and and it just reminds me that there is so much um clarity that that I need as a sponsor to be able to intuit and understand this is the right time, this is not the right time. And man, does that mean that I have to have a clear pathway? Because um, if it's all cluttered up, I mean, there is detail in here about and instructions about how to do this. And if I'm left to my own devices or if my own um, – if I'm cluttered up and all that sunlight is blocked and I'm not connected to God, then what will happen is I'll switch into a gear and I won't even know it. And that gear will be what I think, what I feel, um, and, it, and it will be about trying to make someone feel better. It will be about caring. Um, they're in a bad place. And that is just not the place for me to be as a sponsor. My job as a sponsor is to share the instructions of this book as they were um, relayed to me and, and, and to do that, you know, pretty directly uh, within, a, within a construct 
So if I start getting into, I, oh, but that person needs this or that or the other, or I get too trapped up in, in their own stuff, and I'm not clear and I'm not following these different scenarios, that's, that's, that's a very subtle expression of my, of my disease in its own, um, uh, you know, way of being caught up in my own character defects, really. And there are, I just also want to say that there are such side benefits um, that happen relative to deep care and love um, for, for the person that I'm, that I work with. And, and um, that just is such a wonderful side benefit. But my job is to do, is to relay the instructions and to be uh, clear enough myself that I can um, remember, oh yeah, this is a time to wait. This is a time um, to share my experience, strength, and hope. Uh, this is a time to end the call because I, you know, I'm committed to X amount of minutes and it's time to stop now. So um, with that, I pass. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Cheryl A. And Marcella M., your turn. Marcella, press star one. I can't hear you. Okay, hope y'all can hear me. Um, We'll come back to Marcella if she can um, get on the line. Just a reminder of where we are in the big book reading today. We're in Working with Others on page 90. Oh, there you are, Marcella. Yeah, thank you. Okay, go um, ahead. My name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive. Marcella M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. So working with others, if there's any indication that he wants to stop and then get in, get in touch with the family and then wait for, wait for the, a really bad bench and then just tell them that um, if you want to quit for good, it's, it's for good, one day at a time, but it's for good. And then will you go to any extreme to do so? So that is a lot. That is a lot. I do have the experience of meeting families of other compulsive overeaters. Um, right now I'm in the middle of something that I have no idea what to do with because uh, my family of origin didn't want to see me. They, they, they didn't want to see me at all. They were scared of me. I was just way too erratic, way too scary with my uh, with my compulsive overeating, undereating, bulimia, and all of that, and um, and I haven't seen them in over ten years, and and lately my working with others that I have found in many Spanish-speaking countries brought me to the city in which I was born in Mexico City, and my sisters heard about it, and and they wanted to see me again just to say hi, not to recover, and long story short, three of my blood sisters are in recovery. Uh, one of them has 14 months sober, clean, and abstinent. The other one has seven months sober, clean, and abstinent. And and the last one um, is counting days. She has 62 days today. And um, if there's somebody that knows my addiction and my disease, that'll be my blood sisters. I have no idea how this is happening, but I don't want to investigate too much. All I know is that if I show up and I do what I can and I pray 
and I listen to the person that wants to recover, and I do my very best to follow and and take the hand of another um, addict that is suffering, and and walk the walk and try again and try again and try again, and and when uh, my sponsor relapses because that happens a lot, or she forgets to call me, or or she changes her mind, or she finds another approach that is softer and kinder to her or to him. Um, my effort was not going to waste because it says at the last line, um, this is part of my own recovery. Every single time that I try to work with others, it is good because I need to work with others. So my efforts never, ever go to waste. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella M. And just a reminder where we are reading um, on page 90, um, working with others, beginning with the second paragraph, if there is any indication, reading through two paragraphs, ending in if he cares to see you. And now I can take some more um, names for those who'd like to share. This is Charles Katie D. from Boston. Linda D. from Connecticut. Linda. I heard somebody in there with Linda. Anybody else? Okay, I have Charles H., Katie G., and Linda Hi, it's D. Naomi B. Oh, okay, Naomi, I got you too. Thank All you right, dear. Charles. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Charles, press star one, can't hear you. Thank you very much, Lisa. I was just trying to wait because, you know, when you work these steps, you get, you, you know, you, you, I learned to pause a little bit. It ain't that serious. Charles H. a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, you know, I, I've been studying this real intensive, and um, I can remember just um, trying, to, trying to sponsor people and, and running people down and all that. You know, I was trying to be a – a God with a little G instead of a guy. You know, I, I had this one sponsoree that, that texted me and said, you know, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my 11 steps to somebody else because I need somebody to force me to do it. I said, okay. <laughs> you know, because um, I'm just trying to be helpful. I'm not trying to be overzealous. I'm not trying to you know, be a cheerleader for anybody. And, and, and I love everybody to recover, but um, just because I'm in a 12-step program, they're not going to have a ticket tape parade for me. Some people are going to think I'm weird. They're going to think something wrong with me. Um, in my neighborhood, they think something wrong with me. They're like, yo, you don't do that. You don't eat this. You don't. And, and, and you know what? It ain't their business. So um, I don't try to fix nobody. And, you know, I, I don't feel no type of way if uh, – if, if people don't contact me again or I don't get a whole bunch of calls, I don't really care about that. There's something called life, and these 12 steps is a bridge back to life, and no matter how much, how deep my situation is, it only takes a 12-step ladder to get me out of any situation. And you know what? There's so many people that could relate to so many other people. I ain't that special. I'm just a pebble in a beach of recovered people, and it's a lot of pebbles on the beach, and with that, I'll pass. I'm going to leave some time on the clock. Thank you, Charles H., and Katie G., you're up, followed by Linda D. 
Good morning, <clears throat> Vision family, KDG, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic. This book has really changed the way that I sponsor and the way that I have been sponsored. I love this idea, if he would go to any extreme to do so. And um, I'll never forget um, when I was in relapse uh, five years ago, lying about my exercise addiction. And the way I called the recovered woman is I said, help me, tell me what to do. I had no fight in me. It was like, um, I was like a, a drowned rat that had just been like squeezed out and I just couldn't do it anymore. And whatever, I remember shaking and just saying whatever she wanted me to do, I was willing to do. And as an anorexic and bulimic, that giving up control was so scary around my body weight and around all the other behaviors besides just eat binging. Like binging was not my problem. It was the exercise addiction and the need to be thin. And, and, um, and you know, what I love about this book is that um, it's not me dictating to my sponsees what they can't do. You know, this beautiful exercise when they tell me what foods they tried to control. What did you try to control? And then they tell me what their allergies are. And we post it in the front of the book so that, you know, three months down, if they're asking me if they're absent, I'm like, dude, let's go to this. Let's talk about this because I'm not in charge. You tell me. And for anorexics and bulimics, we make a list. How many times are you getting on the scale? How are your laxatives? Ipecac. You know, how are your, how's your drug use? How's your caffeine? What other ways are you trying to control your body weight? How, how's your aspartame use? Because book says, we cannot safely use these drugs in any form at all. What are your forms? You know, and um, what I love, what you all have taught me is I don't have to fight, right? Like if somebody calls me and they're rationalizing, justifying, and defending a food or a behavior, that's fine. That's cool. You do that. You do you, right? You do you because this is what I'm doing. And if you want to work with me, that's cool, but, I, but you're telling me that you're having a behavior with a problem with this. If you can't put it down, that's cool. Just find a new sponsor. Like, right, that's okay. There are so many amazing sponsors on this line. And I'm not for everybody, right? And that's okay. Just like my sponsor's not for everybody, and that's okay. But if, you're gonna, if we're going to work together, let's be willing to go to any extreme. Let's be willing to practice the willingness to bear discomfort. Let's put these foods down in entire absence. Let's not be on, let, let me not be on a diet anymore. Right. Let me go to God and have nothing blocking me because what y'all are teaching me is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you think about the behaviors I'm doing. What matters is if I'm doing, and I'll just close with this, if I'm doing a behavior or using a food and it's blocking me from God, guess who that impacts? Me. Me and God. So that's it. That's it. And that is the beauty of this book. And God willing, I will show up and be willing to go to any extreme, whatever that means, however uncomfortable that is today. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Linda D., you're up, followed by Naomi B. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut, and I'm so thrilled and grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, it's a hard act to follow. Some of the things that I've heard today are so helpful to me today because in sponsoring people in past years, I made every mistake in the book. I suppose they did, too. There wasn't the clear understanding there is now. I think the thing is that um, in doing God's will, I'm 
putting God's will first. I'm uh, I'm recovered and I stay recovered by doing the steps, by doing, of course, the tools and so forth. But I have to have that relationship with the divine. And if I boil it down to something simple, the divine to me is love. And how do I do that? Well, I thought I knew how to do it because I care. And I do care because the steps woke me up to caring, awakened me rather, to caring, really caring. But the point is I'm from uh, an addictive family and I will, without knowing it, act codependently, which means I will try to rescue you and do your work for you because I know you're in grave, grave danger. The problem with that is I don't have that kind of power, and it isn't my responsibility. And I'm dealing with somebody, potentially, dealing with somebody that's in denial. Call it what you want. They're lying to themselves, and it serves a purpose. They're very, very frightened to give up their drug from from their life experiences. So uh, I'm dealing with something that's like a, a eight-headed Hydra, is that the expression, Medusa? This is tricky stuff. I have to be very relaxed and back off and not panic because they're dying right in front of me. I work with someone right now that is doing that. It's a a job situation. So, uh, and it's hard. It's very hard not to try to push it more. I can't do it. I don't have that power, and I have to maintain my own well-being. That's a very important part of this so that I'm ready for life, for my family, for my responsibilities, and for the next person. But I love what was said about people have to be, or I have to be, out of ideas and very, very scared if they don't do something like this program, like immediately and fully. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. and Naomi B. You're up. Hi, thank you. Good morning. This is Naomi B., a grateful recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Okay, the one thing that I have to say, I've been in program, I don't know, like seven, eight years, and thank you, God, I have the honor of sponsoring. But I have to say, when I'm in the rooms, the thing that absolutely gets me crazy is when I hear them say about being a sponsor up to the level of where you're at. Well, I once heard on this on this wonderful meeting that if you wanted to climb a mountain that was a thousand feet high, you wouldn't find a guy that would take you five hundred feet, and that so resonated with me. The other absolutely fabulous advice that was given to me before I started to sponsor was that one that my their recovery is not contingent on me because I'm the type of person I'm going to fix everything. And I knew what happened. If someone wouldn't follow through with the steps, I'd take it so personally. Thank you, God, that's not the case today. I'm the guide to take them through this amazing, colossal book. That's it. Their recovery is contingent on God. It's not on me. That takes so much pressure off me. And I've had it all. Thank you, God, in a little bit of time that I've been sponsoring I've had people stop at the fourth step. I had someone we worked all the way through to Chapter 7, and the sponsee said, "Um, I'm not going to be your sponsee anymore. Fine, be well, if I can help in any way. 
and it's wonderful. It's amazing. And my sponsors thank me, but I thank them because, oh, my gosh, they are so helping me. And this program, it's so true. It's not for those who want it. It's not for those who need it. It's for those that will do it. And doing is getting down to the nitty-gritty of this book and working with a recovered sponsor. And I am just... You know, it just blows me away when people thank me, but it's like I am so thankful to my sponsees. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, uh, Naomi B. And we have time probably for two or three more shares. We are on page 90, um, beginning with the second paragraph, if there's any indication, reading through two paragraphs, ending in if he cares to see you. Harlan G., Lynette. Harlan. Lynette. One more. I heard Julie something. Thank you, Julie. Was it Julie? Yeah, Julie S. Thank you. Okay, and Jen, if we can get to you, we will. Um, Harlan, you're up, followed by Lynette. Thank you very much, and thank you to Team Thursday for your magnificent service. I'm Harlan G. in sweltering Scottsdale, Arizona. And as I look at this paragraph, there is something that is jumping out at me that I think is so important. And that is we get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition and his religious leanings. Now, leaving out the religious leanings, what is it that I'm bound and determined to find out about this prospect when they come to me? Are you a compulsive overeater or not? That is the first piece of information that I want to find out. There are people in OA today in the rooms, probably on this line, that are not. There are people who come in and they've gotten into a little trouble with food. Maybe their situation is such that they would like to lose a little weight. They come in and they do not have the allergy of the body and they do not have the twist of the mind. They've gotten in trouble with a little heavier eating. Maybe their lifestyle has become a little more sedentary. That's the first thing I want to find out. Do you have the allergy of the body? Do you have the twist of the mind? And the other indication, the other thing that I want to find out, and it's been mentioned many times this morning, do you want to stop? When somebody comes to me for sponsorship and they have a list of what they're not going to do, I, in my mind, I back off. What I do with sponsees is I match, mirror, and reflect. I match their intensity. I mirror their enthusiasm, and I reflect back to them how serious they are to recover. I am not going to be the designated driver here. Your recovery depends upon what you do, not upon what I do. And the situation is such, I will guide you through the book, but you have to take the lead here, not me. I can't drag you through this. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. And Lynn S., you're up, followed by Juliet. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive reader in Toronto, Canada. Just listening today reminds me of an experience that I had and how the instructions in the book were so helpful. 
one of our members had been in and lost some weight and then went back out and, and uh, came back. And it's it's always so such a shock sometimes to see people who come back and have gained an, just an extraordinary amount of weight. And I remember how many times that happened to me in my lifetime when people would see me and they hadn't seen me for a while and I'd put on 100 pounds or so. And the look of shock that comes across your face. And I remember seeing this woman and hoping that my face didn't reflect that. And it was so, so glad to see her back. And we went for coffee and she said to me, you know, I, I thought I'd never get over 300 pounds, but now I'm 301 pounds. And, and, um, and I said, you know, we were talking and I asked her, was she ready or, you know, was she not willing to go to any lengths, but even just, you know, was she, she's back now, is she ready to get into program? And she just looked at me and said, I'm not ready. And if, if it hadn't been for this book and, and this meeting where we study this, my natural reflection or, or um, my natural instinct would have been to try and convince her what, you know, of course, you know, and she said, no, I've got things in my life that I need to get done first. And when she said she wasn't ready, I remembered this book and I just said, okay. I couldn't believe that that came out of my mouth because, and I didn't even have to restraint of tongue or anything. It's just this meeting, this chapter went through my head and I said, okay, the next week she came back and she looked at me and said, I'm ready now. And it was a wonderful experience and she was ready for about six months and you know, then she wasn't ready anymore. And it's sad and it's heartbreaking and I often wonder whatever happened to her. I haven't seen her for a year and a half, maybe two now. But I'm just so grateful for this book and these instructions because I don't know how to do it. I know how to bulldoze. I know how to preach. I know how to rant and rave. I know how to do all that stuff. But now I've got a manual on how to help somebody else, and that's really what it's all about. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S. And Julie, you have two minutes. And Jen, I hope you'll stay for the second meeting to share. Julie? Hi. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for your service. This is Julie S. Um, from Delray Beach, Florida. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be quick. I just wanted to comment on um, to anyone who's listening that has struggled with finding the right sponsor to work with. I feel like on this line we hear a lot about um, from sponsors talking about, you know, sponsee issues. But um, I'm someone that um, definitely – had some issues with some sponsors. And, and so I just wanted to come forward and just share a little bit about my experience and hopefully, you know, to help the person who um, had, you know, had, had some um, struggles. You know, I think that um, not everyone is perfect for everybody else. And I think that for, for me, um, what, what really helped me is that I just focused on what I could learn from anyone that I was working with. And if, and if the relationship wasn't perfect and, and, you know, I, I felt, you know, like a little bullied at times and, and, and controlled, and that's possibly my, my disease as, as, as well. But, you know, when I was able just to focus on what can I learn here and what, you know, please God help me. And once I reached that point, I was able to um, be open to learning and also being being open that, you know what, maybe I've learned what I can, you know, from, from this working relationship and, 
you know, it's time to move on to find someone else that I feel um, a little more aligned with. And, um, you know, and, and that's something that, that, that I was able to get in touch with inside of my gut. And for anyone who is listening, I would encourage you to do that because I had one sponsor who I did not feel aligned with, but I got the most beautiful, wonderful, loving gift from that sponsor. And that was a weighed and measured food plan and the ability to actually weigh and measure my food. And, and after that, I thank you so much. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie. And thank you to everyone who, who shared today. Um, we'll now close the meeting with the reading from the big book, page 164. And Marcella M., would you please read for us? Sure. My name is Marcella, Recovered Composer Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to you to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.